Hello and welcome. Thank you very much for, for coming on, Ollie. How are you today? Yeah, thank you, Samantha. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing really well, thank you. Really right. well. Looking forward to this uh, podcast interview. What do you call it? Well, that's an interesting one because it was a podcast. There's a TV yeah. series. Then it's a, it's now a network, so it's all combined. But yeah, oh, it's dynamic. Dynamic. So you've been up since four o'clock, as we've just been discussing, because you're so excited yeah. about today. You're so, so excited, excited to share your story with us. Just couldn't sleep. I know. It's very exciting. As you know, like I don't like to research too much because I want to hear your story. Okay. So if you can, for those that haven't heard it, including myself. Can you take us through your military career and how you started, how you worked your way up through the ranks? I'm going to give you a, a brief overview, a bird's eye view of my life because everyone looks at me, because I've been on TV for my military stuff, it really, it doesn't define me, you know. So um, let me take you back to my first, my entry to this planet, shall we say. And it's 10 years old. Um, I can't remember anything prior to 10 years old. Uh, because of this experience but I basically uh, it's well documented in all my books and stuff but I got attacked by a circus chimp that nearly killed me um, and it was it was pretty um, a, a, a quite a uh, defining moment if you want to call it that and the reason I, I tell that story every time it's because that had such an overarching effect on my life moving forward so <clears throat> for good and bad um, but after that I was a, a, a crazy little um, uh, young lad growing up, always pushing, you know, looking for danger, um, got in trouble with the police and all sorts of stuff, which wasn't great for my family or me. Um, and then I all of a sudden saw the military and saw it as it was the only, I just was so passionate about being in the military and the best military there was. And that to me at that stage was the Royal, Marine, Royal Marines, which is, as I thought at the time, the hardest military training in the world. Uh, little did I know what was ahead. Um, and then really I joined up, you know, I had this dream from 14 to join the military. And then I came back from Iraq, Operation Desert Storm, and I just couldn't handle life as, as, as a peacetime soldier. I just wanted to be at war every day. I blame the chimp for that, by the way. <laughs> so really for me, I had a, it was a crossroads. And it was like, do you, um, yeah, I had a choice. Either I attempted the special forces, which was also a dream of mine, um, or I went to be a civilian. Now, because of the way that we're wired, we're always looking for the path of least resistance. Um, the easier option for me was to be a civilian because going on the hardest selection process in the world, you know, if you don't take action very quickly, if you don't have a really strong um, level of confidence, then you'll start to, to, to think of all the whole, all reasons why it could go wrong. So for me, it was like be a civilian. My officer urged me not to do that, said, look, just give it a go. I think you've got what it takes, which was amazing. Anyway, cut long story short, I was one of five out of 280 people that passed the, the course to get in the special forces. But the thing is, I got to the special forces and again, it just, something was still missing. I couldn't work it out. You know, I, I, kept, I kept striving for this next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And when I found it, it just wasn't there. Anyway, it took me six years to do anything about it. So 11 years in total. Said I was never going to go back into any kind of military environment. Never going to go back to a war zone. I wanted to carve my own uh, legacy in life. And for me, 
I wanted more adventure and people laugh at me when I say that because I come from the special forces. I've come from the special forces. But adventure for me is when you create your own footprints and not follow someone else's. And that for me, you know, when I was in the military, I could see the path all the way to the top through the ranking system. And I could see people at the top complaining, no different than I was complaining. And I just didn't want to follow that path. So for me, it was about, you know, defining my own path. I came out and although I said I wouldn't do it, I got drawn back into a war zone because the money was so good. And I spent the next five years thereabouts in um, in Iraq as a contractor, which was the, probably the worst the worst time of my career. And the reason I say that is because it was extremely dangerous. There was no backup when you got attacked. Um, and then the biggest enemy was really myself because I started drinking heavily, started taking Valium, started doing all kinds of stuff that just doesn't suit being in a war, in a, in a war zone while you're being shot at. Um, and that really started to pay a toll on my mental health. I finally left of my own accord because I thought if I didn't leave of my own accord, I was going to come back in a box. And I was living in Australia at that time. I'd moved to Australia. Um, said again, I would never go back and you know, make sure that my arms and legs stayed where they, where they were. They're all mine, which is good. Um, and um, <clears throat> I started getting, getting into property and started doing you know, some property development and stuff, which was amazing. And then all of a sudden, I was drawn into something else, which was um, I heard about an operation going on in Southeast Asia, rescuing kids from child prostitution and slavery. Now, that was an amazing thing to be involved with. And all the pieces that were missing when I was in the military all of a sudden presented themselves. And I had no idea um, of the, the return on investment I would get from doing this operation. I wasn't being paid for it. I was I paid for it for my with my own money. I had a four man team. And we were going and basically rescuing these kids and getting them back to an orphanage where um, they would have a happy, you know, uh, upbringing and education. Um, but the operation fell down overnight because of a political incident we won't go into on this uh, on this uh, discussion because it's long winded. Bottom line for me is I had to escape out of Thailand, get back to Australia. Um, and at that point, I crashed and burned. Before I mentioned about that crashing and burning, something amazing happened over there. Although it fell down overnight, I finally or, or I stumbled across something that was amazing. And that was the power of helping others, especially when they're less fortunate. And that would be the heartbeat and DNA for what I'm doing today, which is Breakpoint. And Breakpoint, um, our mission is to create a globally identified brand recognized for the positive growth and development of others. And that was that really stemmed from that operation in Thailand, you know, understanding the value of helping other people, which I think today in this day and age, we're, we're kind of losing a grip on. You know, there's more people interested in getting more followers, followers on Instagram. You know, even people in the close knit team are, are using each other as a ladder to get to position. And we're losing the power of helping each other. And it's such an investment, an amazing investment. Anyway, cut a long story short, I then found myself back in the UK with the sole intention of starting that business breakpoint. I locked myself in a house for three months because I had to rewire the blueprint of who I was, get rid of all the negative habits that, that were holding me back and really change the person I was. And it was that transformation in that house for three months in 2014 that was incredible. And that was really getting myself into a, a solid foundation of growth of someone I wanted to represent and be. And um, that was really the start of Breakpoint. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that time in that house, 
I got the TV opportunity, which was the start of SAS Who Dares Wins. Those that don't know that, it's a, a very popular show in the UK. Um, and I did that for six years, but it was absolutely amazing to come from a place of this, you know, I was quite fractured and broken when I came back. And to go through that growth and development investment in myself, which was all about meditation, visualization, goal setting, everything, you know, that delivered me such a prize at the end of that. So anyone that tells me that goal setting, visualization, meditation doesn't work, then you're simply missing out. So um, one thing I learned there in that house is the power of um, when we start to look within. See, we're, everyone's wired on this planet to think everything's external. You know, everything, success is an external fix. Happiness is, is an external fix and it's, it's not. It starts within and that's what I learned in that house. And that was a life-changing epiphany. So anyway, the rest has been an absolute dream and I still I am continuing on my journey. I've written four books, best-selling author, Times bestseller. And um, I, although I've got the TV stuff, I'm now in Australia filming SAS Australia. My vision and my dream and my goal is to, to, to take my company global and that's really my passion. That's amazing. I love the fact that you're, you know, you're really out there trying to help others and use your platform as a way to motivate others as well. Like, I think there's a lot to be said for, say, like media personalities, influencers that can really use their platforms to help other people. Because I don't often, I mean, we do see it, that people are using their platforms in the right way. But as you said, I think a lot of people are using their platforms as a way to validate their existence, whether it be through like cars, house, money, what they can show, how they look. And I think, um, I think, yeah, I think it's great what you're doing. I just want to go back to what you said about obviously your battle with drugs and drink, what you say, drugs and drink. What would you say for those that don't really have a support network? Did you use anything like AA or... I listen, I, I did actually go to AA um, at, at one point when I was in Australia. So I'm not going to say that I didn't, you know, because I a lot of the time I didn't use anything. I went to AA and I realized when I actually looked around at the people there, I actually realized, wow, my problem isn't really a, that much. You know, the severity of what I was going through was I, I just thought mine was an easy fix. When I heard some of the stories of the people at AA, I just thought, wow, that's the next level. That's, you know, I simply was in my eyes just... The thing is for me, Samantha, when I say drinking, having a drinking problem, straight away you get the perception of having to drink all day long. You've got like a bottle hidden in, in your drawer in your office and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't that for me. Drinking, I don't drink anymore because I just don't see the value and purpose of it. And the reason when I say drinking was a problem, drinking was a problem because it affects your creativity, your productivity and everything, it just doesn't, you know, it really is holding people back. Even even when I went to sort of like managing that to, to just drinking in the week, I mean, sorry, just drinking at weekends and, and not drinking in the week, even have that small amount of alcohol in me was affecting so much up here. And that's why I say, you know, for me, it had to stop in the end. It had to stop. So although I did seek help at the start, um, I did it the wrong way. You know, I went into that house. I was the one that was putting on the smile. I was the one that was like, you know, painting this picture of perfection. And that's what people are doing. You go back to that celebrity, talking about celebrities. The majority of celebrities out there are stroking their own egos. And I feel, you know, when it's great what you just said there, Samana, because I totally agree with you. At the end of the day, I feel having that celebrity status, I have a duty to be able to, to, to be a voice. I have a voice now. And it's really for us as humans, 
to share knowledge and help everyone else grow as well. We, we share that knowledge from experience, from our own uh, knowledge, and, um, and we help other people to grow around us. I, I think that is a, a human duty for us to do. Um, so really for me, you know, I didn't, I did it the wrong way, but really that was inherited from the, from the military, from the special forces. You know, it's like, just shut up, have a beer whenever you showed any emotion, you know, any kind of emotion is weakness. So I look back now on that and think how weak I was for not being able to talk. You know, it's like I was, you put on this brave face and, you know, I'm trying, oh, I can't show weakness because I'm a, I'm a man. And it's just ridiculous really, because the only person you're, 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 stealing from is yourself so yeah initially I did but one thing I did do which changed everything for me I went to see a spiritual psychologist and I knew I needed to see a psychologist I wasn't prepared to go and see a doctor because I didn't want to get slid over a load of drugs over the table um, which would then you know compound the problems even further just put a band-aid on the issue so I went to see a spiritual psychologist that really tapped me into the whole meditation thing the, the whole power of awareness the whole looking within for the answers and that was life changing for me. So that's that's where I did seek help. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I understand like your mum has been really supportive. She's really been there for you. How, what would you say for those that don't have that support network though? Um, I mean, for myself, I understand totally where you're coming from. Like it's drinking is almost like it's in the fabric of what you do, especially for what I do. Sometimes I find myself having a, a drink in the daytime and it does, it really limits your potential. It like caps your creativity. It really puts that brain, you know, you get brain fog, don't you? And then you, you almost feel like, well, why did I have a drink? But at the same time, you, you do need it to be, I say need it. It is a great way to be so, sociable, right? To have a drink, to raise a but like what would you what would you say for those that are still like going through that or even obviously those suffering with PTSD um, and use it as a way to self-medicate if they are still in special forces but they don't have that support network and not able to reach out right because you're saying that for you you felt like you didn't want to go to the doctors because it would be here's a load of drugs just kind of bypassing suppressing the issue but then at the same time some people don't feel comfortable, especially as a man, to like reach out, look, I need help, I need support. And your mum has been there, right? Like, how could, we, I suppose actually, you know, how could we better support those that might even need a bit of help? If you haven't got the support networks, then you just, yeah. uh, you know, there are plenty of resources out there, plenty of resources through the people you work for. There's always resources out there that you can have a chat in confidence with I think at the end of the day like I've had a lot of people come to me because they know that I've stopped you know all those negative habits have now gone every negative habit I've got mm. gone um and really for me I always say to people when they say look um oh god I'm really struggling with my drinking's out of control but this this is a problem that's a problem and I always say to them you have made the biggest step just in this conversation, you've made the biggest step because you are aware of the issue. Yeah. So many people are going through life that it's subconscious behavior and they're not actually even aware of, of the issue. So, you know, I always say that's take when just your awareness of it is the biggest step straight away. But secondly, you really have to start to understand, you know, with everything, whether that's stopping drinking, whether it's starting a business, whatever it, whatever it is, a, a new relationship, I don't know, anything, 
you've got to understand that you're about to embrace a certain level of discomfort. So you've got to really make sure that your why is a strong enough why to dilute the discomfort you're going to go through to get to it. You know, and that that's that's the same with everything. So if if anyone, the support I can tell people to to get is first of all, you know, for me or anything, write down a list of all the pros, the reason, you know, something that's consuming your time. Like drinking was consuming a lot of my time. So I wrote down all the positives for that and then write down a list next to it of all the negatives. I mean, honestly, my list was a joke. You know, I, I think I had about two two things for the positives when it came to drinking, about a list, of A4 list of all the negatives, of all the byproducts of all the negativity. Mm. So really, once you've got that list, you can then really come up with a strong why. And that, should, that why will be the one thing when you have that negativity, when you have that lack of motivation to pull you through that discomfort. But really, you know, at the end of the day, if you haven't got the support that, you know, for me, when I crashed and burned, uh, it was, it was the greatest, my greatest discovery. And the reason I say that is because it was the first time for me that I took responsibility for who I was, where, where I was, and my environment. You know, again, because we're wired to focus on the external, you're always looking to blame the external world. You know, it's the environment, it's that person. It's, you know, I stopped blaming the military, stopped blaming the chimp, stopped blaming anyone for where I was. I was responsible for where I was. And I was the one that could do something about it. So really, for me in that moment, stop blaming everyone else, take, responsibi take responsibility, and then start to look in, inside, inwards, because that's where the answers have been all along. And that got me out of a really bad place. And, and, and that is, is, the, is the template I run my life through. You know, I don't, I don't look externally for the answers. Everything's within. Absolutely. I think there's there's much to be said about people actually taking responsibility and accountability mm. for their own actions as opposed to like looking to everybody else to find the solution. Um, I know you mentioned when you was in these groups, this AA meeting, you, you know, you saw that other people had probably bigger issues going on. But I do feel like everything is relative. And at that time, you know, it can feel like a really big problem. And we're all going through battles every mm. single day. Right. We move on now. and We talk about breakpoint. I want to talk about how this idea came about, the collaboration with um, Jason Fox. Like how, like, how did you even drive the discussion? And also, you've got an academy, I understand. So if we can step back and chat about that, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, well, Breakpoint really came from the fact that when I did Crash and Burn, you know, I came back from um, uh, Southeast Asia, you know, escaped out of Southeast Asia. Um, and then I got into, you know, I, I hit the ground really hard. Um, and then that, that sort of turning point, that epiphany I talk about. And then I really started to make, you know, once I started to look within, I started to, to really focus all my negatives. I exposed my negatives, all my negatives, my drinking, whatever it was. And I made my negatives my goals. So basically, all those things had, were my first goals to, 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 um, to accomplish, because I had to get rid of the, 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 all the bad stuff, all the stuff that was holding me back before I could advance any further forward. Anyway, in six months, I came to such a good place or got to such a good place that I just thought to myself, based in mind, I had two things going on, my own sort of um, growth from that really dark place and also that operation I did in Thailand helping other people. I was at this point when I went, right, I want to share this with the world. And I want, I, I want people to, I want to be able to help as many people as possible. And that really was the birth of Breakpoint. Breakpoint, that name is, is defined as this. Breakpoint is a disruptive change in habitual behavior 
in line with a predetermined goal. So really, you know, it's, it's no point having this step into discomfort unless you know where you're going. Otherwise, you just bounce back into the repeat habit loop of your everyday life uh, for no apparent reason. So it's just a detour for no apparent reason. So the point is you have got to have a, pre a, a predetermined goal that you're heading to. Um, now, also breakpoint is all about embracing the short term discomfort. Any kind of changes, you know yourself, Samana. You, I mean, you've got quite an accolade of success. You know that you have to embrace the discomfort, don't you? You have to. And, and that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to understand it's there. It's going to be there. You're not going to feel motivated. You're not going to feel inspired. And if you've got something bigger pulling you through, that discomfort is temporary. So really, that was sort of um, the ethos of Breakpoint. Um, and I came back and sat, put myself into that house for three months in Cornwall in the UK and um, just worked on that process of myself each and every day. Now, each and every day I used to visual, my visualization was the same one every day. And that was me and Jason Fox on stage in front of loads of people teaching them about, you know, the power of positivity and et cetera, et cetera, using our experience and our knowledge to help loads of people. And I went into so much detail with that visualization. And I urge everyone to do this. I'm, I'm quite a creative person. So I got lost in my own sort of visualization, but I used to, I used to picture me and Foxy on stage. I could see what he was wearing. I could feel what I was wearing. I could see the crowd. I could see the interaction, everything. I put myself into the moment like I was there. And I did that every day for three months. At the end of three months, I was like, nothing's happening. You know, this visualization stuff is, does it work? I started to have this self-doubt, this question. And I was in the house and I actually went, just give me something. Just give me something. I want some breadcrumbs, phone ring or something. I, I want something to happen. That, nothing happened straight away. But two days after that, I got a phone call from Foxy saying, hey, mate, you know that idea we've talked about for Breakpoint? Would you consider doing that on, on TV? And I was like, shut up. And he said, I thought he was trying to get me down the pub because he knows it wasn't. I was like, shut up, are you down the pub? He said, no, no, I'm actually with Channel 4, the production company that worked for Channel 4. And that, that was the start of SAS Who Dares Wins. Now, that moment was like, and still the hairs on the back of my head stood up. I was like on the phone to him. And I was like, now, you imagine what I've been doing every day. I've been imagining this big stage, this big crowd, how we could teach people how, you know, I was delivered the best stage in the world, the best stage, which was TV. Now, I, now I don't want to be a celebrity. It was never to be a celebrity, but that platform for exposure, you can't beat that. You absolutely can't beat that. So on that day, I was delivered that. And that, you know, people can call visualization and everything. Oh, it's just coincidence. No, I don't believe in I don't believe in coincidence at all. That was that was positive intent and clear direction for, for me changing the vibration of who I was. And then I put myself on a totally different frequency. And that is when I got the TV show and that changed everything. So that really was the birth of Breakpoint. And it was the introduction to the to the to the celebrity. Well, I hate saying that word, but the celebrity world. So which has been absolutely phenomenal for me. So. That is my goal from, from day one. It's still my goal today. So if the TV stuff fell away tomorrow, it's done its job. I think, yeah, that, that term um, celebrity, when it's thrown around, I think there's so many negative connotations that are attached to it. It's like you, you don't want to like 
affiliate yourself with it. However, I think, again, if you're using your celebrity status, I say it like that, but it is, right? It's a, it's a brilliant platform and you're interested in helping others. You know, it's, again, like what we do at Be Your Own. For me, it's you win, I win, I win, you win. It's all collective. We can all bring each other up together and it's using that platform for the greater good. Um, so you've got the book, you've got your TV show, you've got this fitness app. Do you ever, is there ever a place of complacency or are you always wanting more, striving for more? Like, do you ever feel fulfilled? Gets me though, uh, Samana, is, is I am highly creative. I've done all kinds of neuroscience tests and stuff. So I am highly creative, but that has its downside. And that is I'm always coming up with new ideas. But then when it gets into the boring stuff, I'm like, oh, forget that. Let's create a new idea. So anyway, so I came up with the app. I came up with um, a load of stuff on my journey. But I've got to the point like five, six years on where we've gone back to we've done a full circle. So gone back to the fact that my main focus, I mean, with the app, the, we actually sold the app. We're all me and Foxy is still part of the app, but we sold it. So we're, we're still spearheading that for three years. But we stole, sold it into um, um, a company called True Connect. Um, so we're still part of that. But now we've got the academy. I've got the academy, which is just myself in Breakpoint and my wife. So we are now starting to take. We used to have sort of a lot of face-to-face, you know, um, courses and et cetera, et cetera. We're now taking everything online. So when it comes to the academy, Breakpoint Academy, all our programs and everything are going online and virtual. So that means that we can reach a much bigger audience, a much wider audience. And have much more of a positive and powerful effect on everyone that comes through our comes through our courses. Okay, you you just mentioned your wife there, which is it leads me on to my next question because I've been thinking about this for a good while. So obviously, you're the alpha. How, from a female perspective, how can a spouse better support such alpha male? Right? How 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 would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, Laura has been an absolute rock and a rose. And it's absolutely amazing because, you know, whenever I, you know, when I first said, look, and I think it's hard, you know, I talk about giving up drinking and all stuff like this, which, you know, I have to empathize with a lot of people. You know, you go into a household where, you know, someone might be want to start their business. Someone might want to stop drinking. And a lot of people haven't got the support of their spouses. Uh, For me, I was extremely fortunate in um, having such an amazing wife like Laura, because when I said, look, I want to stop drinking, I don't think it's really benefiting me anymore she said well I'm going to do the same and I'm going to support you she had no reason to give up drinking she didn't have a problem with it as such but um you know that's one thing she she supported me on that journey now she doesn't drink at all as well she's so happy for that but Laura supports you know at at the end of the day you know I I think we've all had a fair share of bad relationships I'm not you know but I I basically visualized my next partner which was my wife and she is everything that I visualized. Um, and as soon as I met Laura, she had the same dreams as me. She had the same um, vision as me. So it was just like speaking to myself in a mirror. Well, luckily not. But <laughs> I, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to supporting your your spouse for, for a female, I think it's just I think you have to sit down to uh, with them and you have to discuss their goals, their vision. And you have to understand how it fits into the bigger picture of that, you know, how it affects both people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an honest and open conversation. And, and then 
I think it's really important that people understand what they expect from each other. So, but like if you look at like stripping back the layers and mm. being vulnerable, like in a relationship, if you're kind of expected to be this alpha male, mm. like it's having those open, honest conversations, isn't it? And it's I think that can be quite tough because you think like who are, who am I without like not the addictions, but the drugs and the drink or whatever it is that you rely on to get that fix right who am I without all those things and then if you're finding someone who you know the power of visualization which is incredible who's kind yeah. of been brought into your orbit um like I think sometimes yeah, it's, it, I think it can be quite tough um yeah. okay so moving on um what's next for you what's 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 next for you what have we got coming up well, on Thursday, I actually fly to Nepal where I'm climbing uh, Amadablam, which is 6,812 metres with um, a lad called Nimzov. He's been on Netflix recently, just done 14 peaks. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm going with uh, with Nims and a group of uh, other lads. So we're climbing Amadablam, which is um, it's not quite as tall as Everest, but it's uh, more technical. Um, so I'm going to be away there for a month and I hope we're going to be um, summiting on the 11th of November, which is obviously uh, Remembrance Day. So that's next in the short term. But this is an ongoing mission for me, you know, to create this company. Great point. You know, we've got we've got conversations this week to start building our online portal, uh, which is so exciting. So everything, you know, everything up here is going to be in courses where it comes to resilience, leadership. Um, and we're going to have mentoring courses, six, 12 months, all sorts. So that is that is the big goal. That is the mission. Um, and that really is, for me, you know, I want a life where I can have freedom. You know, where we used to have courses where it was relying on face-to-face -face and we had, uh, you know, a large office and stuff like that, it was like a ball and a chain. So really the way that we're moving now gives me that freedom then to be able to be anywhere that I want to be. So um so yeah that that is the goal to create that freedom and, and, and create the, the portal and the online courses amazing well thank you very much for today ollie it's been great thank chatting you. 